Hi, this is Zach Semke with Passive House Accelerator, and thanks for tuning in to this special bonus episode of the Passive House Podcast, recorded at Passive House Network's 2023 conference in Denver, Colorado. And a big thank you to Enersign for the support of the series. The interview you're about to hear was hosted by Carmel Pratt, co-host of the Next Gen edition of Passive House Accelerator Live. Carmel Pratt here with Passive House Accelerator. I'm sitting with Mike O'Donnell from Steve Winter Associates. Mike, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do as well? Sure. Um, so thanks, Carmel, for uh, having me uh, speak here. Um, I've been with Stephen Winter for 12 years now, and my roles over time <clears throat> have evolved, but uh, my current role is leading our Passive House team on the field side for inspections and testing and the field verification piece. Um, so we make sure the projects get built as designed. That's half the battle is getting it in the design, and the second half of the battle is actually getting it built and operating correctly. And yeah, so it's just a quick background on me. Awesome. Um, can you talk about either your most exciting or most recent, or maybe that's both, project that, that you've uh, verified? Yeah, so we've definitely had our fair share of cool and um, unique projects. Um, the Winthrop Square project just uh, wrapped up in Boston, and that was a pretty unique project in, a, you know, pilot project, more or less, for um, spec office space. Their approach was pretty unique in um, floor testing every single floor. Uh, as compared to the traditional do you know one test at the end. So it was a lot of trips to Boston and um, you know days of testing. Um, but the idea was that as as floors were completed and the testing was done, that they could be turned over to tenants. So that was the kind of uh, mindset of the developer of why they wanted to go about it that way. Um, another project which recently got certified, it's been done for a while, it just it stuck in a certification land, uh, was a Hotel Marcel project, which was also a, a pretty difficult test to do because uh, after I think the second or third floor, there's just a big chunk of the building that's not there, it's missing, and it's only connected via stairwell towers to above, so um, yeah, that was an interesting approach of how we had to go about that test. Um, how did you go about that test? Was it a two-part test, or did you somehow so we, connect those we first tried doing it all connected, and I had a feeling it wasn't going to work, but we had to go for it, that all of the vent ventilation ductwork would be enough to kind of connect and pull down all the floors. Um, but if any dampers are closed or the duct sizing isn't what we thought it was going to be, it's just not going to work. And so we had to go for it, but I had like three backup plans of how to, you know, work around that if um, it didn't work out. And so what we ended up doing is um, having to include the stair towers and because they were sort of 
outside of the envelope, but we needed those as conduits to kind of pull the air down. So we ended up doing um, a test of the main building, which both the stairwells open, so sort of pull everything down, and then tested the stairwells separately and just had to add them together. Um, other alternatives would have been trying to put floor doors on every single balcony floor. Like there's these little carve out areas that are outside, and that just would have been a lot of equipment, a lot of people, a lot of as you know, wires and tubes and a lot of fun stuff. So um, the number maybe isn't the perfect, you know, air tightness number. There's a little bit of like caution factor, I think, because of the how the stairwell situation was. Um, but that was, I think, one of the more challenging tests to figure out how. Because normally, like, oh, we have the stairwells, we open all the doors. If we need the extra airflow, we'll open up the elevator shafts. Um, and, you know, it's, as you know, keeping the fans closely grouped is just easier to manage than having remote locations and people all over. So, um, yeah, that one was definitely, I had thought, like, okay, if this doesn't work, what can we do instead? And just had all these sort of backup contingency plans. Yeah. But, yeah. Besides really complex whole building air tightness <laughs> testing, what do you think are um, the other biggest challenges when it comes to verifying passive house buildings so that is a ventilation no i'm kidding yeah um, <laughs> that's yeah it's honestly is the ventilation um you know we throw everything at it in terms of making aerosol a requirement specifying adjustable car dampers um and some are some are better adjustable than others so we we don't like to push products, but in certain cases we do push like certain products that are easier to adjust. Um, are the car dampers accessible? A lot of times they're like, oh, it's in the duct. I'm like, how is anyone ever going to get to that to adjust it, clean it, fix it? Or even see yeah. what it's doing. Right. So it's all of those similar battles you have to fight pretty much all the time to, to have a shot at the system working properly. Um, and then where we've seen some other complexity and a little bit past what we do, it's more lands on a commissioning team, is the integration of, say, cooling coil into the ERV, but it's different manufacturers. So, you know, how are their different um, integrations talking to each other or not so it's that, that's also been a, a challenge of getting those systems commissioned and up and, I mean they're working but it's not really optimized so there's definitely still some hurdles uh, on that front uh, and I think to kind of go away from the easy answer ventilation just um, Getting the uh, air barrier installed properly, but all, part of that is some on the design side of like, did we make this building simple, or you know, are we building out of structural steel that has spray fireproofing and all this crazy, you know, corners and adjacent buildings? It's like, well, how do you expect a contractor now to like make an air barrier system work easily with this? With all these different materials yeah. meeting at very complex. Right. Yeah. And um, 
So there, there's that aspect. And, you know, you can't totally drive or change design. You don't want just, like, square ethos boxes everywhere, right? But there is something to think about of, um, you know, keeping things simpler um, within reason, you know, still having architectural elements and working within whatever structural systems you have. But um, some of these are just, like, how, how is this, you know, like, how are you going to, a person can't fit in this space to do this thing, right? Like, so just trying to think of that stuff up front. And then I think really the, you know, maybe repeating, but um, the buy-in and the sort of ownership of the applicators, right? Like, are they just trying to get it done or are they actually wanting to do a good job and like, sort of taking pride in their work and, you know, making sure what they're doing is actually going to work at the end of the day when you know, we show up with the fans to see what's going on with their envelope. So, yeah. Beyond the, um, the benefit to that end on like quality assurance of having a third-party verifier, would you say that there is an added benefit to having like specifically an air barrier um, consultant or you know, an enclosure consultant that's not, not just involved in the design but on, on site as a third party, you know, doing that kind of yeah. Kind of we, we, if the project can support it, we've definitely had good success. Where there's also an envelope consultant beyond Stephen Winter, um, and there we're you know we're looking at similar things, but sort of from a slightly different lens. You know, their key really their key is water, but they're also thinking about air as well. And um, I think it's just another layer and level of protection for the building owner. Um, again, not every project can support that, but um, we definitely find it helpful if there's an envelope consultant on board as well. Um, and they're also thinking maybe about other things that we specifically aren't, so there's kind of this good overlap of sort of umbrella uh, policy of looking at the envelope from like all different perspectives, not yeah. just like air tightness and you know the passive house sort of lens of it. So yeah. yeah, and speaking of envelope and knowing that you have around in existing buildings, at least in, in like the New York City building stock space, um, is there anything that we can learn? whether it's what to do or what not to do from like what we're unearthing in our existing building stock that we should be either taking or leaving yeah. <laughs> with us to new construction. Well, I think it's just so difficult. You know, everyone, me included, wants to see these retrofits and like actually get them implemented. And to me, it seems like the easiest strategy is the you know, the building needs to be the right fit for it, but the exterior overcladding strategy. Um, there's just no way you're going to be opening interior walls in occupied apartments. I mean, it's, it's just not going to happen. But um, so I think that strategy, which we've seen on, you know, various different projects, not even ours, just like out in the industry of, um, you know, these sort of big old, like monolithic, concrete panel or solid concrete like walls that are just the perfect surface to do this overcladding with ethos. Um, I think that's a great strategy. It doesn't fit every building, obviously. Um, 
but I think if the opportunity is there, it's definitely a more digestible approach versus any sort of interior program. And then I think fixing ventilation systems in old buildings is an age-old problem, and um, I highly doubt they're going to run new lines for supply sides that get balanced. It's, you know, that's going to take up first base and the invasive and all that, but you can at least get your existing systems working, um, which that's a whole battle that's been ongoing for years, I, I think, since I even started at Stephen Winter, it was like the same, the same stuff of aeroseal and car dampers and adjusting fan flow rates and that kind of stuff. Um, but I think, I think some of it too is like people, like understanding, like, hey, my, my bath fan isn't, like, my bath isn't really pulling any exhaust, like, but I, I think people just, it's unfortunate that buildings can be underperforming and people just sort of expect it or it's, it's the norm, whereas I think um, one of the other speakers, I'm not sure who it was, like, you don't buy a car and, like, some of the things don't work and you're just, like, okay with it, right? Like, your AC doesn't work, you're like, yeah, whatever, yeah. you know? But, like, buildings, this could not work or that could not work, it could not be optimized and you're just sort of used to it. So, I don't know how to change that, but I think some of that would come from tenants and owners or, you know, people who are in the getting space. Getting educated. Yeah, but like, hey, you're supposed to be getting fresh air. Like, if you're not, you should probably tell someone. Right? Maybe he has to go change a belt on a fan at the roof or something and he's just in the building. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting because I, I would love to see a study of um, existing building tenant versus new construction tenants and the amount of complaints. It, it almost seems like you know, a tenant moving into a new construction building expects more or better, right. and so they, like, they're quicker to, to say something and, and or to question something, and right. then, you know, existing older building tenant um, just expects things to not work, yeah, or, it's, you like, know, oh, it doesn't know, whatever. yeah, yeah, uh, and, and might not voice it, um, because that's just kind of like, you know, the, 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 the way that things are, are understood to work. Right. In New York. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like just the classic old problems of overheating steam systems, like opening your window and, and it's just crazy that that's still like a thing and a problem. Yeah. But it is and I'm hoping stuff will start to come around with the local laws, you know, that yeah. are gonna put stuff in place. But um, yeah, it's, it's I, I mean, I lived in an apartment that was too hot, like, I had my radiator off, and and I kind of like it warm, and I still had to be that person who opened their window, the window, and you're like, yeah. you just feel so terrible about it, but what are you going to do? Right. So, How else do you, you don't have another yeah. operational option <laughs> right. at that point, yeah. yeah. So, so um, my my last question is one that I like to ask anyone I talk to in this space, and it's, what do you think the future of passive house building is? So, I think it's, my hope is that it just becomes um, normal and integrated into projects. Like, we're lucky enough that we've had several project teams that have been through it already, so 
when it's time for the next one, it's not really reinventing the wheel. They sort of know what their system and package is that works. There might be some small tweaks and changes and things like that. Um, we are, but we are still getting new design teams, which is great. You know, it's new people kind of learning and joining the space. But you're almost then kind of back to square one, right? Of like now having to train someone new and get them up to speed, and uh, not that that's bad, but it takes time and effort, and um, you know the mistakes that others have made, like a contractor might have made or the uh, uh, architects on whatever aspect it might be, they've learned from those and they're implementing those right on, on their next projects. And not to scare away new teams by any um, you know, way, but it, it's just hoping that it keeps there's people coming in, there's, you know, coming to conferences, getting whatever training that they can, doing a project that it just becomes like that's how you build, right? It's not even a, like, oh, it's a new team, we have to train everyone. It's just sort of already baked into the process. Yeah, yeah. And it's all the more reason to, if you haven't yet, do your first right. certification, get through it, yeah. take whatever lessons you can learn from it, um, and then decide. You know, right. don't, don't uh, hesitate on the decision now without knowing. Right, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for being in conversation with me. I appreciate it. Good talking to you.